0: Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the book titled The Birth of the Three, Um, the final episode of the third book of the prequel titled The Life Before the Alien Magic. Um, Hope you enjoy it. Let's go. The wounds of King Socha's soldiers had opened up black like charcoal where, where their eyes should have been, where their hearts should have been. King Socha rushed into the midst of his men, but he found himself lifeless among so many lifeless. The voices faded, the faces dissolved. With a shout that never faded off the narrow walls of hell, the king found himself slain. It is best this way, determined General Prenhoek, Victory's empty cowl lay discarded just feet away. Let the wizards cower in their fortress. These two were serving the, this god, choosing their ambitions over their con- constituents. I will serve your hopes and loves much more than these two were willing to do. General Prenhook then continued to circle the kneeling god, ever careful, as defeated gods were ever hungry to suckle especially on careless, arrogant men. It would only take a boast to break a man in half and tug at the entrails. Well, good god of the abyssinian your traitors have been exposed. Their intent has not served them. Only I, the true king of the abyssinian have these persons' best hopes in mind. These men will serve me admirably, because I promise them a future of liberty and prosperity. But you have not revealed everything to us that is most true. You, cruel god, who sought to better the lives of the elves, did intend for a major battle along the north shore of the Manges, outside the walls of Sturm, the elven kingdom of Arlo. Tell us the truth, for we deserve it. The creatures look to take what the elves have given up, especially their stores of knowledge. It behooves the half elves to claim that knowledge if on the battlefield. The god puffed out his muddied, ruffled chest and displayed his opaque colors. The curious, unspoken show disarmed, the soldiers eyeing him. There is a battle brewing, some thirty-five miles east of Sturm. The dwarves have built defenses around the Elven Kingdom Arlo. An army of the most frightful and foul There will not be many elves among their number, as all the elves are not convinced that a war is coming, or that their survival depends on it. But the army is led by brilliant, intelligent captains, captains that have served to expand hell, beasts that know only cruelty and hunger. You must be skilled, and not a little bit lucky, if you are to defeat this army. They want for themselves what belongs to the half-elves, what the elves have forfeited. But the first blow, a serious blow, a blow that will be felt by these, such that they may not recover, comes here, comes now. General Prenhook took his shimmering sword, harnessing a band of sunlight, then removed the god. The victor circled the shell of a head, swaggering with a thunderclap. The eyes hollowed out of his head, the scalp the appearance of a broken coconut, Hairs stitched along the exterior, the mouth a ruby red, he tossed the frightful sight among the blanching troops, one man a glint in his eye, a furnace at creation, a liar's boast, awoke, it is as has been said, for the prophecy acknowledged that the king, the one king that would unify all the races of the Abacene, so that humanity would live with the dwarves and the elves, With the half-elves, with the half-breeds, would claim his throne once he had slain the god that threatened to annihilate the world. You have come forward, good good King Prenhook. I bow before you. I swear my allegiance to you. And as the one man knelt and lowered his head, all the other soldiers silently and reverently bowed low and descended and collapsed, ashen, transformed particularly defeated by the fire of the blacksmith into steam and molten lead, the proper instruments of a man who would claim the whole world. Stand, my loyal troops, ordered the king. The troops responded. They dug into the the clumpy ash, green shoots climbing vibrantly, vigorously, breaking the soil, standing tall, defiant life. I require your help, my fellow soldiers, assured King Prenhuk. As you have seen, the gods' traitors abound. There are many that will not accept me as their king. They will fight me. They will fight you. They were nourished by the flakes that were his words and his movements, gracing the pool's surface. Let them come, thrashed and twisted the pained, breathless, exuberant soldier. They know not what's best for them for us all. We will fight them. We will slaughter them all. For those who refuse our king, refuse us all. We will give them a choice, the only choice, as warriors for our families and our livelihood all must make. King Prenthook, Luminesced I am honored to represent the courageous and hopeful persons of the cheerful Abyssin. I assure you, I will not disappoint you. How can I, when I have the hearts of tens of thousands upholding me, know the future is ours, it is in our grasp? King Prenhook channeled the beginning and end due west. He directed the golden flame, he exercised his complete authority over annihilation. Are you, my brethren, prepared to strike at the heart of the old world? What would you have us do? Begged the groveling, outspoken, colorful half-elf. We would follow you to hell itself, if only you asked it of us. King Prenhook smiled. It was contagious, as all his loyal troops snickered and chuckled and guffawed. Their laugh was heaven, impossible defeated heaven. Hope answered, hope shouted down by angels. Snickering was the only victory over heaven they could know an involuntary moment over infinity. That defiant smile, the seamless half-alive coke crust, embers down his spine, the golden serpents poisoning every sinking sun. King Prenhook then waved his sword west in the direction of Arlo. Dwarves are a selfish lot, as you must know, they are seldom among those who converse over the future of the races throughout the Abacene. They think themselves entitled to the wealth and the resources throughout the land. They steal technology from the humans and the elves, and use it at the expense of all others. The future of the Abacene goes through the dwarves' hearts. The dwarves must be punished, insisted the outspoken one. The one who would not sink, who would not quit, this day he saw himself foreign and alive. They will suffer our wrath. If the elves are dead, the dwarves must fear the same fate. King Prenhook swore, Come morning, we march on our low. Those who refuse to choose as you have, a life of peace and prosperity for all, and not just for the privileged dwarves, they must suffer the end of my blade. A cheer went up from the all- "'from all the boasting, alive soldiers. "'A disarming shout streaked crimson and purple "'across the twilight sky. "'The king scoured the holes of the lava flows "'working for nectar, "'then continued hope breathlessly. "'Some of you must think "'that they will not come out of their walled cities, "'that they will not live in common peace with us. "'You must think the dwarves will not listen to those.' were not their own. That is why I have brought others with me. He turned to his left, then uttered a shout. Suddenly the forest shook. Rolling boulders, inexhaustible fire, perfect machines, molten metal, the armor and command of choosing who would welcome defeat, who could endure triumph. From out of the strict procession came several thousand dwarves, dressed in priestly garb with a crescent moon tattooed on their foreheads. Smiles and song washed over everyone as the different races commingled, oil and vinegar, dancing and interlocking, embracing and delivering the beast of beliefs with upraised hands. The sun will rise on a new world tomorrow. And with that said, King Prenhook succumbed to the heavy hands of the contingent of different races, was broken up and was gone. All the other troops had hopes they had not entertained throughout their lives. Troops were uncovering victory in their midst, how fashioned it was by their words, the smiling faces frightening them, tapping their courage with undeniable heaven and an impervious hell attached. Yes, with the curious assortment of priestly dwarves among them, the allies stood a chance of breaching the defenses of the dwarves and make their claim on a new world a world won by all with each person broken requiring a hand up from every other person of race a world worth having the witches and wizards contained within mount ish watched mesmerized from their vantage point as rigor stood leading against the lemon tree in the square are they convinced Asked Jewel, scarab beetles with swimming blue lights flickering as they traversed her straw-like hair. She hunched over Chase near the balcony's edge and marveled at the exuberant army below. They are, replied Lucius. They have been deceived, all of them, now that their leadership is no more. The true God, he is among us. At least we will not have to defend ourselves this day. What do we do? asked Solana. We know he is a god. He made sure to reveal it to us. We're the only ones with this knowledge. Insel nodded. He made no effort to recruit us. He only revealed himself to us. I guess daring us to take action against him, to identify who to slay. Should one remove Pindar from this chamber, Algernon confirmed he chose not one of us to recruit. Maybe there comes that maybe that comes later. Maybe to see uh he sees us as his greatest threat. He seeks to divide us and wants to target his armies and his allies at us. Algernon, uh, your alliance with this god has not gone unnoticed, stated Clotus. Algernon chirped. I have er risked a friendship. It has paid dividends. I have leverage. What do any of you have? To nodded. We fifteen may be no match for the likes of a god, but we do have one thing that can help and defeat him. She motioned and all the witches and wizards followed Tisiphone to a softly lit chamber. In the center of the room, cared for by a dozen acolytes, sat an elf, unassuming, quiet, modest. Tisiphone declared, this elf's name is Pindar. Pindar, King Chase made a mental note. Is this elf the one that will slay the god Rigger? No, he is his father. What good will that do us? How are we supposed to bring the two, mother and father, together? We won't find this bride before rigor does. There is no hope for us destroying rigor. Only a desperate hope, an impossible hope. That's all we have when it comes to his this here elf. Should one remove Pindar from this chamber... No, you risk the might of the entire magic wielder community coming down on you. He stays here. Tisiphone stepped behind the golden throne and said, Behold, this is our best weapon against this rogue, malevolent god. The prophecy fulfilled. The son of this elf, this phantom without a family, without a pedigree. Insel stood beside the elf and acknowledged, Yes, oh yes, King Prenhok will offer a fortune for this elf to be delivered unto him. His death will justify his son's reign. Pindar felt the urge to speak, but he only took the wizard's hand and squeezed tight. Balthasar waited till nightfall fell. After... All the magic wielders had drunk their fill of wine and fell asleep. The wizard took the elf by the hand. No one knew of his intentions with him—not Algernon, not Sanford the sinister, his father, not Tisiphone, his mother. It was a perilous place, the world both were heir to. Both acknowledged that almost simult—that almost simultaneously, they took no joy only endured the intense burden as they descended the stair. Silently, the pair slinked to a darkened stair and descended. The wizard realized that this action would generate a wizard war. It would pit brother against sister, son against father and mother. He risked war with his own family, but he knew that this one elf, the elf he need protect, was the one thing that would prevent the tyranny of this rogue god. It was midnight. All the wizards and witches were sleeping. Sinf- Sanford the Sinister exited the shadows and escorted the god Rigger into the chamber where the elf Pindar was sleeping. You will know the threat upon seeing it, insisted the wizard. Kill this elf, and the prophecy is fruitless. What do you say? Rigger smiled. Defeating prophecy, there is no greater purpose than in uprooting a hope of a people. Complete victory, victory through through despair. Rigor and Sanford entered the gleaming chamber, only to find the elf missing. What is this? Some kind of joke? demanded the god. You think I am a fool? What if I told you I see through you? Your purpose, your threat to me, perhaps you should die more than some elf. Rigor squeezed Sanford's neck tightly. Finally, he released, then stormed off. Sanford frowned. He knew that when morning came, the day would bring a war among the magic wielders. Sanford identified a pair of sandals on the top stair of the spine of stone steps cut into the cavern floor. Belfazor. He had been betrayed, he knew, by his own son. Hunting down Belfasor came now. There was no opportunity for sleep. Sanfred rang the bell. Community of the wizards and witches awakened. All of them to hunt down his son Belfasor, to slay him. War. Sanfred's son had independently brought the magic wielders. He may be young and brash. He may have just cost them his. his he may have just cost him his life. That is the end of book number three, The, the Birth of the Three. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the next um, book is, is titled um, The Captive of Our Low, and the, the first installment of that will be offered, hopefully, uh, next week at this time. Thanks for listening, um, and goodbye for now.